will be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. NIV version, feel free to follow along. Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias responded, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Thank you, Alex, for reading this morning, Acts chapter 9. I wanted to tell you that uh, Pastor Ed uh, is home from uh, hospital, and uh, he is doing much better. He was in the University of Alberta Hospital from uh, Monday through Friday, very sick. Uh, but uh, he's doing better. He's weak, but uh, continue to pray for his recovery, and uh, trust that he will be up and around uh, this coming week. Well, we're in a series of messages uh, called Hearing God. And last week, we gave some time to 1 Samuel chapter 3, the story of little Samuel uh, learning to hear the voice of God. And he had a mentor who helped him, and that mentor's name was Eli. Uh, it's fascinating to me that God has, has been whispering to his children throughout the centuries. And it is such an awesome thing that God would value us that much that he would desire to communicate with us. Uh, I read of a pastor uh, who emailed his congregation 
uh, asking them to describe a time when they had heard a whisper from heaven. And then he asked them to explain how they had responded to that whisper. And so he shared some of those responses uh, without names, of course, and uh, they were fascinating. It kind of made me think, I'd like to do that. Uh, I, I might just email you one day and uh, take a moment, uh, ask you to take a moment to select a story where, where you experienced a whisper from God and then have you describe your response to that whisper. I think it would be fascinating to see how God has whispered to this congregation through the years. So I might just talk myself into doing that one of these days. So here's an example. Jane wrote back and said, God did whisper to me once. I'm absolutely sure of it. Shortly after my husband passed away, I was in bed crying myself to sleep again. And I sensed God offering specific words to soothe my soul. You are not alone, God said. You are not alone. Which was all I needed to know. You are not alone. Hearing from the one who will never leave your side stems loneliness every time. One man tells the story of backing out of his driveway and he re received a very strong prompting from God, stop, right now. And the man said, I slammed my foot on the brake and then just sat there thinking, did I forget something in the house? Was my wife supposed to come with me? <laughs> he said, I glanced in the rearview mirror and was lifting my foot off the brake as I caught sight of our neighbor's three-year-old son who was riding his tricycle right behind my car. He was so close that all I could see was the top of his little blonde head. And had I not stayed planted on those brakes, he surely would have been seriously injured or killed. I put my car in park, rested my head on the steering wheel and said, Oh God, that you should be so merciful to me and to that child and to both of our families is beyond me. Thank you. The landscape of life is filled with the whispers of God. And as you recognize them, your heart is filled with comfort and strength and encouragement and direction. I love the wording of uh, Eugene Peterson in the message. He does a transliteration of Revelation 2-7 and he writes it this way. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the Spirit blowing through the churches. The wind words. The verse suggests the whispered prompting of God. The wind words. Listen for the wind words in your life. Still today he is speaking, as it says in John 14, 26, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything I've said to you. And so all through life, we get these whispers from God and we begin to recognize them and we begin to see that they come in different ways. And as we grow, we become more aware of the diverse ways in which the Holy Spirit speaks. 
but by the still small voice of God. Our lives are flooded with personal assurance, correction, insight, guidance from above. And through it all, the Spirit of God helps us to grow and mature and be transformed more and more into the person, into the image of the person of Jesus Christ. So we are simply reminding ourselves of these truths. Now they might be new to some, and they might just be refreshers for others. Either way, we're just asking the Lord these days to, to let us see his heart in these areas. This morning, would you track with me as we think about why we need to hear God's voice? Why do we need to hear God's voice? And so this is the very practical day-to-day journey that brings the, the spark and the adventure to our lives. Why we need to hear God's voice. First of all, so Christ can function uh, as our Lord and King. So Christ can function as our Lord and King. Uh, put another way, so he can be our functioning Lord. It simply means that through life, we can walk with Christ and experience him as the one who knows us, who knows us well, who journeys with us. We allow him into all the different areas of our lives and we discover him to be the resource and power and guide. He's our functioning Lord. He's not just the one we talk about Sunday morning and then go home and, and then just kind of enter into a totally different world. We don't live in a compartmentalized world. This is Sunday, but this is my real life over here. He becomes our functioning Lord and King every day, in every moment, in every hour. We have an awareness of him. So Acts chapter 9 is a dramatic story of a murderer hearing the divine whispers. Those whispers changed his flight path forever. His name was Saul, and if there was any, ever anyone who got riled up against Christians, it was this smug Pharisee. He hated Christians with a vengeance. He led lynch mobs to wipe them off of the face of the earth. Saul was one serious dude fully committed to obliterating Christianity. On his way to Damascus, permission letters in hand to kill the Christians, he was intersected by a giant whisper. Riding along the road with his entourage, he was suddenly confronted with a bright, terrifying light from heaven. It was so laser-focused that it knocked Saul from the horse, from his horse, and, and left him sputtering for breath on the ground. When he tried to collect himself and get up, he realized that he was totally blind. He heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. See, he's hearing God, even if he doesn't recognize his voice or really get what's happening or know who he is. He's hearing God. And the whisper that comes from heaven is this, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the one you're persecuting. And then the instruction is, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Somehow Saul makes it to the city. Saul is in Damascus, unable to see, unwilling to eat or drink. He's a mess. He's just, he's just unable to really calculate what's going on. He's overcome. He doesn't understand what's happening to him. 
Now what happens next in the story is, is a beautiful example of a man who hears the whispers of God and obeys them. Jesus is his functioning Lord, and he is engaged to hear and to obey. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, in other words, gave him a picture, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. You know, friends, that just catches my attention as a, as a wonderful way to respond to Jesus all day long. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, he replied. We sing that song, You Have My Attention. Speak, Lord, you have my attention. And isn't that Ananias? Yes, Lord, he replied. You have my attention. So God speaks to Ananias and he tells him to deliver a message. God even provides the address where Saul is staying. <laughs> the house of Judas on Straight Street. Uh, Saul is there praying. Uh, Saul, uh, God explains to Ananias, he's just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. So God's really setting this thing up. Now, Ananias is human, just like the rest of us, and the first words out of his mouth are, but Lord, but Lord, you ever been there when God asks you to do something? But Lord, if there's ever a time you want to be sure that you're hearing God's correct, God correctly, it's a time like this. Is that really you, Lord? Am I, am I just making this up? Is that you? And it makes me think back years ago when David Wilkerson went to New York City to, to minister to the gangs. I'm sure he had to say a lot of times, but Lord, really, is that you? But Lord, have you been reading the papers these days? This guy is in the headlines. He's not a nice guy. He's done a lot of bad stuff to the Christians in Jerusalem, and now he's at our back door. I don't think I want to talk to him. And God stands by his one-word reply. Go. Go. That's often how we hear his word. Uh, one word, go. Or we might just hear the word stay. Or we might just hear a little whisper, stop. Or we might just hear a little whisper, obey, pray, trust, I'm with you. Jesus is his functioning Lord. He knows there's a battle going on, and he knows that Jesus wants to use him. There's a battle that goes on every day uh, in our lives. There's a battle that goes on for the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. 1 Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, we can't win the kingdom battles without the power and without the leading of the Holy Spirit. Battles and gaining territory for the kingdom require communication. They require battle strategy. God can see the steps that we need to take. We can't see them. 
We don't know exactly which way to turn. He has the wisdom. We need the wisdom. And we're not alone to fight the battle. We have Jesus Christ on our side. And he is our functioning Lord. And look at the message that Ananias is meant to deliver. I mean, if you just look at it closely, God is sending him with a very clear message to Saul. You can actually pick out a threefold message. Saul, you're a chosen instrument. He used to tell him that. Saul, God's calling you. You're a chosen instrument. Saul, you're going to be used to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to many people. And Saul, you will suffer greatly for Jesus' sake. There are three messages that Ananias needs to deliver. And Ananias was obedient, and as soon as the message was delivered, uh, Saul regained his sight. He got up. He was baptized. Wonderful. It didn't take Paul or Saul very long before he realized he needed to be baptized. And it was a step of faith. It was a new trust in Jesus. It was a step of obedience. It was a way of saying, I'm going in a new direction. I'm now going to follow Jesus. So he immediately turned his life over to Christ and he followed in baptism. Now, I know that we often look at Acts chapter 9 and we tell the story from the viewpoint of Saul who became Paul. But really, isn't this a fascinating story about Ananias and how he walked close to the Lord and heard the voice of the Lord and was obedient? And what a joy for him to serve Christ and allow him to be the Lord of his life to make a difference in the world. One of the major reasons a one-time terrorist wound up becoming one of the most impactful Christian leaders in history is simply because another servant, Ananias, obeyed Jesus. And Jesus was his functioning Lord. Imagine, here is Saul, one day to be the Apostle Paul. Here he is. He's lying on a bed with no clue what is going to happen next, other than to wait. If someone could just find their way to this man, talk to him, give him a message of hope and a message about the future, it would be life-changing. But who would be up for an assignment like this? God says, I have a man. I have a man. His name is Ananias. And he's listening. Ananias is available. And he's walking with God. And he's open to hearing from God. He hears God and he delivers the message. And a life is changed forever. Saul goes on to become Paul. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He plants churches that will have lasting impact. He leaves a legacy of boldness and faith. Lost people are saved. Believers are encouraged. Churches are strengthened. And entire communities experience a great peace, all because two men hear God's whispers and have the grit to respond. I mean, friends, think of it. Who knows the impact you will, you will make on your world if you hear God? Who knows the impact that you will make on your family if you hear God? Don't you think God was cheering from heaven when he saw his child Ananias get up and walk over to Straight Street and say hello to Saul and tell him of a message 
from God for you? Oh, sure. Ananias was probably churning inside all the way. But he went. And he was obedient. I read the story of a church planter, a a pastor uh, desiring to plant a new church in a new community. And the, the church planter pastor said, as he started the new work, he, he was just absolutely overwhelmed with the pressures and the stresses. He said, I was working more than 70 hours a week. And my wife would say to me, come on, you've got to take a day off. You, you, you've got to stop. You've got to slow down. And he, he said, I would say, I can't. I wasn't sleeping at night. I started to take sleeping pills. And when the year, a church was about a year old, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this strange sense that God was laughing at me. As I lay in bed, I wondered, why is God laughing at me? Well, he said it would take five years before I finally got an answer to that question. And he said, here's how it happened. When we moved into our current house, I saved the heaviest piece of furniture for last, for last the, the desk from my office. And as I was, I was pushing and pulling the desk with all my might, my four-year-old son came over and asked if he could help. So together we started sliding it across the floor. He was pushing as hard as he could. After a few moments, he stopped pushing. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, you're in my way. And then he tried to push the desk by himself. Of course, it didn't budge. And then I realized that he thought he was actually doing all the work instead of me. And I couldn't help but laugh. And the moment I started laughing at my son's comment, I recalled that middle-of-the-night incident, and I realized why God was laughing at me. I thought I was pushing the desk of ministry. I thought I was doing all the work. I mean, I thought that I was responsible to get it all done. He said, I know that's ridiculous, but instead of recognizing God's power and strength, I began to think it all depended upon me. I took way too much upon myself, like I had to do it. And God was saying, I want you to function in my strength and in my power. I want you to function in my strength and in my power. And friends, I need to hear that this morning. You maybe need to hear that as well. He is our functioning Lord. Why do we need to hear the whispers of heaven? So Jesus can function as our Lord and our King in all of life. Secondly, so God can function as our Father. So God can function as our Father. Uh, I'm rereading the Gospel of John these days, and I'm so intrigued to hear how often Jesus talks about his Father. Uh, He is so proud of his Father. Can I say it that way? He's so proud of his Father. I'm careful how I say that, but just to underscore that over and over again, he lets it be known that he and the Father are one. And they have such beautiful communion together. And Jesus says, I only communicate to you uh, what the Father says to me. 
And that same God is our Father. Jesus said, you want to know how to pray? Come into the presence of God and address your prayers to God by simply saying, Our Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So you have a Father who loves you more than you could ever find the words to describe. There aren't sufficient words in our vocabulary to describe it. And could you think of any better image than to be called a child of the Father? A child of God? It was this terrorist who was so radically changed when Ananias came to visit him. This same man, Paul, who went on to write the book of Romans. And in chapter 8, he is soaring to new heights when he pens these words. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Breathtaking. God wants to have a relationship with us as a father. And it's so personal. It's daddy. It's father. It's Abba. We call him our daddy, Papa. Now I get that that might not be easy for some. Might be easier for others to say, ah, I understand that. I don't know what your relationship was with your earthly father. I mean, you have a running start if you have a good relationship with your dad. If you can look at your dad and see him as a reflection of your heavenly father, that's huge. And if it doesn't work that way in your life and you're struggling with your dad, you may or may not have a higher hill to climb. But I would hope you'd find forgiveness for your dad. Or I would hope you'd find inner healing or a way to exhale the pain of the past so you can move past that. But God is your Father, if you know Jesus Christ. And He's your Abba Father. He's your Daddy Father. There's a relationship. And your dad isn't silent. Oh, I know. Sometimes we as dads can be silent. Sometimes dads don't communicate as much as they should. Some have said, we don't talk, we grunt. <laughs> but um, those of us who are silent, we're trying to get better. We're trying to get better at that. Give us a little time. We're working on it. But your father, your Abba father, isn't distant at all. Neither is he silent. Jesus urges us in Matthew 5.48 to be like our father. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then be like my father. He is a father who's not far away. And you'll find a God that is so amazing and so approachable. And you will want to be like him. I just want to be like my dad, Jesus says. I want to be like my father. I am like my father. We are one. So he says to us, be like your father. And throughout chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus says, pray. Pray, he says, but pray not like everyone else does, but pray in such a way that you touch your daddy's heart. Pray that way. Our Father who art in heaven. 
He says, give, give to the poor, but don't give to the poor like everyone else. Give to the poor differently because if I'm your functioning Lord, you're following me and you'll find that when you give to the Lord, uh, give to the poor, that you just want to please your heavenly father. And it's not out there in public. It's just you want to, you want to please your father and you're being like your daddy, your heavenly daddy. Shirley MacLaine, as you know, was a very famous actress. And she put her career as number one in her life. She had a daughter, and uh, her daughter was absolutely poor. She said that she grabbed her daughter, sent her to boarding school, and forgot to go and pick her up. And the daughter has come out with a book a couple years ago talking about how much she longs for her mother, but also talking about how her mother messed up as a mother. And at the end of the interview, she comes out and she was asked what she wanted to accomplish with writing this book. What was the point of writing this book? And she said, I just want my mom. I just want my mom. I want my mom back. And what we want most is to get to know our dad, our daddy, our heavenly father. And we want to hear his commendation to us because he's an amazing father. And he just doesn't drop us off and forget to pick us up. He's there. He's there through every year of our life. And he wants to come real close. He wants to invite us to come and sit on his lap and be real close to his heart. So here's the point in hearing God. Your father wants to talk to you through all the days of your life. And when you talk to him, he happily responds. And he'll also take the initiative to speak if you take the time to stop and to listen. He's your father. He's your father. You could expect that he'll give you a word of comfort. You could expect that he will guide you. Just ask him and begin to listen. He will teach you. Just open his word and ask him to teach you. And he will protect you. And he will encourage you. And he will forgive you. And he will assure you. And he will give you everything you, you need and everything the Father has. For he's a good, good Father. Uh, we're, we've been singing that song, haven't we? We're going to sing it this morning. I've asked that we sing it this morning at the end. I've heard a thousand voices of what they think you're like. But I've heard tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Great words by Chris Tomlin. That's why it's so important to hear these whispers from heaven so God can function as our father, the father he wants to be in every one of our lives. You know, and, and, and record some of, of your listening with God. I hope you will. If you didn't receive a, a journal this morning, there's some at the cabinets at the back. But I hope you got a journal. And, and we just passed them out to everybody this morning to, uh, just to help us in our ability to listen to God. Try to hear what God is saying to you. Write it down. And then look back later in your journal and say, oh, that was six months ago when God was speaking. And look at how that word from God is taking root in my life today. Can I take a, um, another moment and just list the third reason why it's so important to hear God's voice, the whispers of heaven. 
Thirdly, so he can be your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be your functioning Lord. He wants to be your awesome Father. And he wants to be your life. He wants to be everything. A little history about baseball. Bill Clem was the father of baseball umpires. He was born way back in 1872. He died in 1952. But here was a man who loved baseball. He was beyond passionate about America's favorite pastime. The first umpire to use arm signals while working behind home plate. Bill umped for 37 years, including 18 World Series. He became known as the old arbitrator, a deferential nod to his keen eye for catching balls and strikes. And he's famous for one quote. On one occasion, as he crouched and he readied himself behind the plate, the pitcher threw the ball, the batter didn't swing, and just for a moment, Bill said nothing. The batter turned and snorted, said, okay, was it a ball or a strike? To which Bill responded, Sonny, it ain't nothing till I call it. It ain't nothing until I call it. He was funny, he was colorful, he loved the game, it was life to him. In fact, it was, it was everything to him. It ain't nothing till I call it. And baseball is fun. Golf is fun. Sports are fun. There's lots of things in life that are fun. But it's not everything to us. But it's not everything to us. Our real life is in the Lord. And He intends that our lives be full and abundant. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's another wonderful verse at the end of John, chapter, chapter 6, 33. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words Jesus says, I've spoken to you, are spirit and life. Spirit and life. His words in our hearts are spirit and life. When we sense God speaking into our hearts, there is a stirring. There is a stirring of life. There is a stirring of vitality and courage and assurance. The power of a word from God. Oh, when you get a word from God, it's powerful. It's powerful. Remember when Jesus was asleep in a, in a boat and the winds and the waves were threatening to swamp the boat. Jesus got up from where he was sleeping and he rebuked the winds and the waves with what? With a word. With a word. And it was completely calm. So the importance of the whisper to our hearts is that we hear him and that we receive his encouragement and his courage and his direction. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Things that are different when he whispers into our hearts. So three reasons why it's important to hear God's voice. So Jesus can function as our Lord and King. So God can be our Father. And so he can be your life. So even this week, we, we want to hear those whispers from God. We want to hear him speaking to us and 
reminding us that he is our functioning Lord through all of life. We want to keep hearing that he is our Father who just loves us in every situation. And we want to just be aware again that, that he's the very life and essence of, of who he made us to be. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you for your whispers. Uh, thank you for the, the most important whisper in all of our lives is your whisper. We want to hear your words to us personally. Uh, we want to hear them, Lord, as they minister our, to our life and give us courage. So thank you for this word this morning from Acts chapter 9. Uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, we can continue to record the whispers that you give to us so we can look back and be encouraged and be strengthened. So help us, Lord, each one of us to just get a little bit better. Just get a little bit better at hearing you. Thank you that you love to speak to us. Thank you that you care about us. Uh, thank you, God, that you've got great plans and purposes for all of us in this room. And I pray that we will uh, maximize our lives as we listen carefully to your still small voice. In Jesus' name.